This is one of the uh, oldest, perhaps, uh, creeds. At least, not, it's not one of the oldest creeds in its current form. The current form that we see dates only back to about the 6th century. But there are references in the writings of the church uh, as early as 180 to what we call the Apostles' Creed. The content would have been slightly different, uh, but it was still called the Apostles' Creed. And there was an old Roman creed that was probably the precursor to the Apostles' Creed. Now, there's a key, a key question here is, why do we call this one the Apostles' Creed? Well, it's interesting. If you take the creed and break it down, what you get are 12 succinct statements about the faith. 12 statements, 12 disciples. So you can see how they may, uh, may have been a traditional connection between these 12 statements and the 12 disciples. In fact, there's a very early tradition that says that the Apostles' Creed was written by the 12 disciples and that each one of them contributed one of these 12 statements under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, what we know about when the actual, the current form that we have came into existence, it's unlikely that that uh, is any more than a story about it, the origins of the creed, but it is still an interesting story, and it recognizes the tight connection between the faith of the Apostles and what we see in the Apostles' Creed. What's interesting about the Apostles' Creed is that it has very little evidence of, de of the debates that we see that arise later in the church. There's little about the, the deity and humanity of Jesus. This, in fact, makes the Apostles' Creed one that's widely accepted amongst Christian traditions that, in some cases, have trouble with some of the orthodox affirmations of the church. Uh, there's very little about the Holy Spirit, and so it seems to have little by way of technical language. This by itself would suggest that it comes very early in the development of the creedal process. Let's go ahead and take a look at the contents of the creed. I'll read it for you here as you have it up on the screen. The Apostles' Creed goes as follows. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Now what you notice immediately is that the overwhelming majority of this particular creed deals with Jesus. It's a Christological creed. We get a very short statement at the beginning, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and that's all we hear about the Father. And then we go into the confirmation of the existence of Jesus, of his life, of his death, of his resurrection. And that, as I said, occupies a half to two-thirds of the creed. The Holy Spirit in this particular creed really gets a fairly short attention. The questions about the deity of the Holy Spirit had not yet even arisen at this point. And so there wasn't a strong need to address it. So what you get uh, in the last part of the creed is simply, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now what's interesting about this particular creed, and we'll see its difference when we look at the Nicene Creed next, is that it ends with a number of affirmations that relate to God's promises to us. Let's take a look at those. So after talking about believing in God the Father, and then talking about Jesus the Son and making some comments about it, we get this. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Now, there are two important points to notice here. 
First of all, this is one affirmation, not two. If you look at the way the creed is broken down, this will become more evident. The point that the creed writers are trying to make here is that the Holy Catholic Church is the communion of saints. These aren't two separate things. And the word Catholic is used here not in the sense of the Roman Catholic Church, but meaning the church universal. In fact, in some cases, uh, because of discomfort with the word uh, Catholic in some Protestant circles, the word Catholic is transitioned uh, uh, over to universal. So what you get is, I believe, in the holy universal church, the communion of saints. So that's one of God's gifts to us, the creation and establishment of the church. And then next, the forgiveness of sins. We could stop right there, right? I mean, this is the great good news of the gospel. The broken relationships between us and God and between us and our fellows has been made right in the life of Christ. This is an affirmation of the forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. This is an important one in a day when we sometimes think of the afterlife as uh, disembodied spirits floating around. We get a very earthy affirmation. In the Old Testament, in the creation stories, when, God, uh, when the text tells us about God's creation, and it comes to the end of the creation, and God, what does he say about it? Literally, the translation is, it, it, God saw that what he did was good, good. Very good is how we often translate it. And the goodness of creation is also affirmed here in the creed when we're reminded that it is the resurrection of the body that we're affirming. And then finally, the life everlasting. When this mortal takes on immortality and we spend eternity with God. So the Apostles' Creed, as I said, the first of the great ecumenical creeds. Not in its latest form, but as far as its content is concerned. It's a beautiful creed. I commend it to you.